Good morning. My name is Ben. If I hadn't had a chance to meet you yet, uh, there are a lot of y'all here today. I love seeing that. Look fantastic. Uh, my name is Ben. Uh, as the screen says, I'm one of the elders here at Carolina Family Church with my wife, Lauren. Uh, she's not here today. She is on a much-needed and well-deserved girls' weekend. So she's up in Raleigh eating, eating good food and not having to listen to me. So she's had a fantastic weekend. Um, but she's been up there. And uh, just a little bit more about me, we have a five-year-old daughter named Shallow. If you don't know Shallow, she is our resident princess here. So she's usually in an Elsa dress or an Anna dress or one of the princesses. Today, she's in Elsa and Anna, and she, won she specifically told me, because I asked her, I said, who's on your dress? She said, Elsa and Anna and Sven. Don't forget Sven. I'm like, okay, you got Sven on your dress too. So she's got three for one, so that's awesome. Um, but that's a couple things about me. Uh, if you're not used to seeing me, I'm usually sitting in the middle of the room with an iPad. So during worship, I didn't. I was like Ricky Bobby. I didn't really know what to do with my hands because I'm used to moving faders and making sure everything sounds good. Uh, but that's what I usually do. And because of that, I really like music. Now, interestingly enough, I can't play any of these instruments. But I can make them loud enough where you can hear them out here and make them sound good, hopefully. So that's good. And something else I really like is sports. I'm really big into sports. And I don't know if you heard about this, um, but last Sunday there was a, a football game on. I think it was the season finale of this season of the NFL. Um, and apparently there was a singer that's dating one of the players or something. I, I don't know if anybody's heard about this. I mean, it hasn't been in the news at all. But it was a great game, went into overtime, and a lot of people said it was kind of slow, but I thought it was pretty swift. <laughs> I was hoping that would land. Um, but it was, it was a really good game. It had to go into overtime, and, and so it took extra time for us to usher in this year's champion. That one's not as good, and I will, I'm fine with that. They're, they're not all home runs. Some of them are singles. Some of them are sacrifice bunts, and that's okay. But... Uh, Usually I do a lot of dad jokes. That's something else about me. I like dad jokes. The cornier, the better. But I have a lot of content to get through today, so I'm going to go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, right now we're in week three of a series on the Gospel of Luke. And as we said uh, every week, this is a year-long series. And I know what you're thinking. A year long on the Gospel of Luke, man, that is a long time. But the more you dive into it, you see that you could easily spend a lot more time on that. In fact, I have 15 verses of content to cover today. And in my opinion, I mean, these, this could easily be multiple messages. So I really got to get through it. So uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. If you were here last week, you heard Jeremy talking about uh, Jesus' baptism. Uh, he, was, he was going through, like this week, he had a lot of scripture that he had to cover. And when he got there, Jesus, the, the heavens had opened, and um, the Holy Spirit had descended like a dove onto Jesus. And the voice of God said, this is my son whom I am well pleased. And that's where he got to. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to it yet, go back and, and listen to Jeremy's message last week. He did a great job. Um, but that's where we pick up right now. So Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's, he's just been baptized. So right now, what's next? He goes into the fellowship hall and they have the big covered dish meal, right? No, that's not what's happening at all. In fact, I kind of wish it was because that'd be a lot easier message to preach. But um, that's not what happened at all. So Jesus had just been baptized. So now the Spirit has led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Because thankfully, we don't do that at our baptisms here. We have a big celebration. Um, there is no wilderness. I mean, A.J. and Marie's house is kind of out there, but it's not a wilderness. So we get together. We have a great time at our baptism. So we're planning a baptism service coming up, and we'd love to have you there. But anyway, if you have your Bibles, uh, we'll be in Luke chapter 4 today. 
starting in verse 1. And also, the words will also be on the screen. Uh, so verse 1 says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Now, first time I read this, when I read he was hungry, I thought two things. One, uh, we've established in this series that Luke is a doctor by trade, a, a physician. So the fact that he said something about Jesus' physical well-being, I think, is very important here. So I did a little bit of a word study, and I'm not a Greek scholar, so I'm not going to try to pronounce the Greek word here. But the word is closer translated to famished. So Jesus is not just hungry. He is really, really hungry. I mean, he is on the brink of starvation. That's number one. And number two, the word he was hungry is the biggest understatement on, in the history of understatements ever. Because Jesus was starving here. And what I realized pretty quick looking through this entire passage is Satan likes to attack us when and where we're weak. So Satan's looking at the devil here, is, is looking at Jesus, and he's like, yes, he's just been baptized, but if I can get him out in the wilderness and I can, I can take away his food, maybe I can get him there. Maybe the temptations can be too much. And so, um, so that's what he does here. He leads him out there. Um, but one thing that's really important to note here is while the Spirit led Jesus out to be tempted, the Spirit does not lead us into temptation. I wanted to make that very clear. James tells us that our temptations come from our own desires. The Spirit does not lead us into temptation. So continuing on, uh, we get into the, the first actual temptation that the devil has for Jesus. And it says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, I think it's important, important to see what the devil is not saying here. He's not saying, I don't think you're the son of God. He said, if you are the son of God. And the first temptation here is physical. Like I said earlier, Satan attacks us where we're weak, and Jesus is hungry, like painstakingly hungry. He's in the midst of 40 days without eating. The other night during the football game, which I'm really surprised I didn't hear Alan yell because the Chiefs won. But anyway, uh, there it is. But during the football game the other night, I don't know if I went 40 minutes without eating. Because we had this full spread. We had wings. We had potato skins. We had all the regular food you usually have. And I'm pretty sure I uh, digested as many calories as the players burned off that were playing the game. And it's not something I'm proud of, but I'm in church right now and I'm preaching, so I really need to be honest, and, and hopefully you're not going to judge me for that. But I ate a lot of food, and, and when I saw this, I'm like, man, 40 days. Is a lot. I mean, that's almost six weeks that he went without eating anything, anything at all. So I'm sure he had a strong desire to eat here, and he didn't turn down the temptation because he wasn't hungry. He turned down the temptation because of the source. You see... The devil here is offering him an illegitimate solution to a legitimate problem. The legitimate problem is Jesus is hungry. The illegitimate solution is if you're hungry, turn this stone into rock and prove that's who you, who you, who, that you are who you say you are. And the reason that's illegitimate is the devil is trying to get him here to, um, he's, he's trying to trick Jesus. He's trying to discredit Jesus. But the verse that Jesus quotes is from Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, verse 3. And here Moses is um, 
kind of reviewing with the people of Israel that are in a very similar situation. There's three ways it's very similar. Uh, the people of Israel have been wandering in the wilderness. That sounds familiar. They've been out there for 40 years. So not 40 days, but 40 years. But number 40 is significant. And also they are hungry because they're wandering through the wilderness. Now, they have eaten. They haven't gone 40 years without eating, or obviously they wouldn't exist. But they have eaten, but they're still hungry. And they feel like they need this substance. They feel like they need something. And so Deuteronomy 8.3 says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. See, the manna that was sent to them was, was not just to nourish. It was not just to fill a physical need. It was to remind them that, okay, I'm going to give you this so you'll have a full stomach. But what you really need is every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And this is the same exact thing that Jesus counters Satan's temptation with. Because Satan, Satan here is, is offering Jesus a temptation. I know you're hungry. I know you're hungry. You haven't eaten. I can see that you're famished. Jesus was probably very weak at this point. Just turn this stone into bread. There, there's, there's no need for you, to do, for you to do all these things. Do something for yourself. Do something for yourself. Turn this stone into bread. And Jesus tells them, I don't, I don't need that to be sustained. I need the word from, from my father. And to me, this, this resists, Jesus willing to do this, resists the, the notion of um, always doing things for ourselves and looking out for others. Because if we fight the temptation to make ourselves the center of the universe, the best way to do that is to do things for other people. The best way to do that is, is to uh, take what we learn at church and apply it out there. It's to take it out and, and love other people and bring them in. And if Jesus would have, have taken this in... Um, and taken the stone and turned it into bread and eaten it, that he would have discredited him, himself as a Messiah. And something about this hit me really hard uh, this week when I was preparing the message. All right, so it's 2024, last time I checked, and all of us have a phone in our pocket, right? If not all of us, most of us. And a lot of us have the Bible app on our phone, right? So we have God's word in our pockets at all times. And here these people are in Israel, and here Jesus is, famished in the wilderness. And what God is saying to them is, the one thing you need is every word from the Lord your God. And I have this every day, yet I'll still go days, sometimes weeks, without reading it. I mean, I have my lunch break at work. I have downtime at work. I could easily pull, pull my phone out, and if nothing else, look at the daily verse and and have some time with God, but Jesus right here, the Savior of the universe, is saying, this is the one thing you need to sustain you. So that's the first temptation is physical, and the devil realizes, okay, I'm not going to get anywhere with this temptation, so he goes to the second temptation in verse 5. And so now they've gone from where they were to the devil takes him up to a high place, and it says, then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. I love that. 
For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. All right, there's a lot going on here. Um, There's a lot in this passage. I I don't have time to get to everything. Uh, We're going to be covering it this week in groups. If you're looking for a group, there's a really awesome one that meets Wednesday nights at 6 at Taryn Hayes' house. Um, Just saying. And if you're looking for, like like Jess said, if you're looking for a group, let us know. We'll get you plugged in. Um, But anyway, we're going to dig deeper into this in groups. But the second temptation here is mental. And the reason I say it's mental is, again, you have to think about how hungry Jesus is. And you're thinking, wait a minute, wasn't that the last one? The last one was physical. Yes. Well, I don't know about you, but when I get really hungry, like hangry, hungry, which is a combination of hungry and angry, um, you get to a point where you just can't make rational decisions anymore. When Lauren and I were dating, one time we took this trip up to Washington, D.C., because her parents live up in Maryland. And we were walking around, and we were looking at all these museums, and um, I'm never been to D.C., so I'm taking in all the sights and sounds. And she's like, all right, what museum do you want to go to next? I'm like, I'm really hungry. I, I really, we got to find something to eat. And she's like, okay, well, we go into another museum. And we walk out of that museum, and we see somebody that she knows, and we talk to them for a few minutes. She's like, all right, I was thinking about going to this museum, and, and we're holding hands because we're young and in love. And we're holding hands, and I'll let go of her hand, and I say, I'm hungry. Just like that. She's like, okay, let's find you something to eat. And I think that the devil is, is banking on Jesus being in this state where when you're really, really hungry like that, like a lot of other decisions, the only decision you're trying to make is what you want for lunch. It, you're not, any other decisions are just in the way because that's all you can focus on. But Jesus isn't buying it. And, and what the devil is offering Jesus here, you've got to look at what time this was for Jesus. He had, he had just been baptized and he's in the wilderness, right? So he hasn't begun his full ministry yet. So Jesus has still got all these things he has to do. He's got to go out and teach. He's going to preach. He's going to heal. He's going to do all these miracles. And the devil is offering Jesus a massive shortcut here. And I'm a big comic book nerd. And I know a lot of y'all know that, and it's not really a surprise. But this reminds me of something that happens a lot in comic books. Like the bad guy, the villain, realizes that he can't defeat the hero. Either the hero's too strong or... Something happens and he can't defeat him. So they always do the line uh, that's usually something like this. You know, we're not so different, you and I. Or something like that. And the devil here looks and he's like, you know, if I can get Jesus, who's the son of God, which again, the devil is not questioning Jesus' identity. He's questioning him to prove his identity. So if, if I can get Jesus here to my side, if I can get Jesus to worship me, Nobody will see him as the Messiah. I mean, we wouldn't see Jesus as the Messiah if he worshipped the devil. Like, we just wouldn't. That would, that would literally change everything. And the reason this is such a big uh, temptation from the devil to Jesus is if Jesus is going to do all these things, the devil's like, look, I've got this massive shortcut for you. You don't have to have all this pain, all this suffering, all this opposition Nobody's going to oppose you because you're going to be king of the world. I mean, who's going to oppose that? Nobody's going to oppose you. You can do what you want to. You can, you can go out. You can rule the world without any kind of opposition. But all you got to do is worship me, and he's the devil, so you know there's going to be some other caveat there. But it'd probably be something like you have to do it the way I want you to. Of course, here, Jesus isn't. He's not falling for that. 
Mostly because Jesus knows what's promised to him elsewhere. He knows how much more he has in store for him beyond this world, first of all. And second of all, at least here, Jesus didn't come to the world to rule the world. He came to save it. So he came knowing, I've got to perform all these miracles, knowing he's going to give his life on the cross, knowing all these things that are going to happen. And here's the devil, while he's offering them this big shortcut, it's not a promotion, it's a demotion. Like he's looking at it and he's saying, you know, I could do that, but that's less than, than what my father is offering me. And the final temptation, uh, Luke chapter 4 starts in verse 9. All right, so we've had the physical temptation of turning the stones to bread, and we've had the mental temptation of I will give you all the kingdoms you see, all you have to do is bend the knee and worship me. And the final temptation here is in verse 9. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Full transparency, the first time I read verse 13, I thought of the devil went down to Georgia. <laughs> so the devil bowed his head because he knew that he'd been beat. And I'm not going to keep going. But um, that's what I thought of there. But anyway, the final temptation here is spiritual. Satan has Jesus in Jerusalem. How they got there, we don't know. We don't know if they walked or is this, if this is some kind of spiritual thing or what's going on. But he, he's gotten Jesus to Jerusalem. He's at the pinnacle. So the pinnacle is the highest point of the temple where Jesus can see everyone down below. He can see the whole city. And the devil's saying, look, if you're the son of God, again, he's not saying you're not the son of God, so you won't do this. He's saying if you're the son of God, prove it. He says, just throw yourself off. You know the angels will catch you. It is written that way. And the temptation here is more of a challenge. And I don't know about the other guys in the room, but this stuff usually works on me. I mean, if you challenge me enough, I got to prove you're wrong. Like, I'm short now, but little first grader Ben was really short. But if some other kid came up to me on the playground and said, I can run faster than you, it was on we had a foot race that I lost miserably, but I had, I, had to, I had to do it because I was challenged. And the same happens to us now. Like, if we're asked to prove ourselves, oh, you think your car is so fast? Let's race. Oh, you think you're that good at this? Prove it. We usually do it, right? And that was the temptation here. The devil is challenging him to prove it. He's saying, look, if you are the son of God that you say you are, if you throw yourself off the top of this temple... God's going to save you, so just go ahead and do it. But Jesus knows that the temptation here isn't that. It's, it's the proof, and it's to tempt God. What I love about this is, uh, first of all, the devil has a very bold strategy here. Because he says, it is written. That's a bold strategy when you're talking to the guy that's literally it is written. So he's, he's telling him what is in Scripture. And what I love about how Jesus responds here 
First of all, Jesus consistently responds with scripture. So when the devil is tempting us, he gives us the ammunition to respond. He doesn't do it in some way that's unattainable to us. He uses scripture. But what I like about it is Jesus basically looks at it and just says, yeah, that's not the point. So the devil's sitting there and you know he's probably formulating, all right, what scripture is perfect? Boom, this one from the book of Psalm. This is the one I need. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's not the point. It's, it's not that I know God would save me. It's that I don't want to test God to have to have him save me. And that is the temptation here. And this, this really stepped on my toes as well because um, this comes out a lot of ways with us now. We ask God to give us a son. How many of us have ever done that? God, give me a son. I know I have. And it's usually when we're going through something hard, something difficult. But the same power to resist these temptations that Jesus has, we can call upon at any time. But we still want a sign. It's almost like we don't think God has done enough for us. God sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins and three days later resurrected him out of the grave. But we need a sign. God guided these people out of Israel and saved them and parted the Red Sea and drowned an entire Egyptian army in a sea. But I need a sign. And to me, that shows our own insecurity in our faith. At least for me, it does. And just a little bit of a spoiler alert. Um, a little further in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 11, Luke actually covers this. And he says, it's not the righteous who ask for a sign, but the wicked. And thinking about that, that's, that's where it really hit me. Because the temptation here that the devil is offering Jesus is to test God. And that's what I do when I ask him for a sign. That's what I do when I, when, when I ask him, you know, I, I've even said to God, God, I know you love me. I, I twist the words. I say, God, I know you love me, but. And when I say that, I'm testing God. So again, verse 13, the devil knew, knew he was defeated. He's not dumb. He's not going to stay around. He's like, all right, this isn't going anywhere. Uh, so the final scripture here is, Luke 4, it's verses 14 and 15. So the devil knows he's, he's been defeated. He knows he's getting nowhere. Um, he asked Jesus to throw himself off the temple, and Jesus slams the door on that one. He seals it off. He said, that's not going to happen. The devil knows he has to move on. And verse 14 says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. See, in verse 1, we saw that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, right? But something incredible happens when you go through a time of temptation or a really difficult time. Once you go through it, you come out stronger. And that is exactly what happened to Jesus here. You see, the devil's trying to tempt him. He's trying to discredit him. He's trying to um, get him to, to disqualify himself as a Messiah. But by doing that, he failed. And there's a theologian, his name's Adam Clark, who said this about Jesus coming out of the temptations. And he's a lot smarter than I am. He put this a lot better than I was formulating, so I was going to read this. He who, through the grace of God, resists and overcomes temptation is always bettered by it. 
This is one of the wonders of God's grace, that those very things which are designed for our utter ruin, he makes the instruments of our greatest good. Thus Satan is even duped by his own proceeding and caught in his own craft. You see, the interesting thing about verses 14 and 15, the devil's been defeated, and everything he was trying to do failed. He was trying to to weaken Jesus by not having him eat. And, And one thing that is not mentioned in Luke, but it's mentioned in Matthew and Mark's account of Jesus being tempted, is that at this point in time, the angels came down and ministered to Jesus. I would have to assume they gave him something to eat. Hopefully. So they gave him something to eat. They ministered to him. They poured into him. And he was even more filled with the Spirit than he was before. And he has all this power. So now the devil, instead of weakening Jesus, has strengthened him to go to a major city in Galilee. A very important place at this time. So Jesus has taken something that was supposed to cripple him and turn it into a strength. And so Jesus goes into Galilee and preaches, and he starts his ministry. And the shortcut that the devil was offering him before, he didn't take that. But the devil, what he thought was by no means of his own, gave him an even bigger shortcut. Because he gave him even more power and confidence to go out and preach God's word. You know how I said before that That Jesus didn't come to rule the world. Well, that comes later and and a beautiful day that's going to be. And the whole reason right now is the devil the king of this world? Yes. But later that's going to change because Jesus didn't take the shortcut. And when we go through temptations, when we go through trials, when we go through hard times, we have the same exact opportunity to have the same response that Jesus did. You see... The devil kept coming to Jesus with temptation after temptation. And Jesus just responded with truth. He responded with scripture. And we know the devil tempts us when we're weak. And he tempts us where we're weak. So the question is, how do we become stronger? There's a couple of ways. One, we can learn and live scripture. One is we can be in fellowship with other believers. One is by daily prayer. Guess what? Three of those happened today out of three. So right now, you've already taken a massive step in this. Another step, I've said something about it before, is groups. Y'all, I, I cannot tell you enough how powerful groups are. Lauren and I, our lives have been changed. Our marriage has been changed by groups. And when things happen, difficult things you have other people that are cheering for you. You have other people that want to see you come through that stronger. And you have other people that are praying for you and that have your back and are giving you all the resources you need to come through that. So if you're not in a group, please, please, please be in a part of one. And if you're going through anything difficult right now, like I know all of us are, just remember everything about this, that Jesus gave us a clear example of how to combat all these things and that we have full access to him. Let's pray.
God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to just come together, Lord, just to learn about you, God, just to be with fellow believers or, or just be with friends that, um, that God, we can, we can um, just fellowship with them and find strength. God, I pray that you will be with us this week. Just guide us in the ways that you would have us to go. And Lord, I pray that you will be with each of us with everything we have going on. God, I pray that you will be with uh, Pastor John and Jess. They've got a lot going on, Lord, and you know every need there. I pray that you'll be with them. I pray for healing. I pray for precision from the surgeons, God. I pray that you'll be with, with them, just with the, with the healing and everything that's going to go on, God. I pray that you'll be with them every single step of the way. And God, I pray that you will be with us, that we can continue to respond to them the way we have and respond to each other whenever we're going through things like that, God. God, I pray that you will guide us this week. I pray that you will show us how to do your will, God. I pray that you'll give us opportunities to put others first. And God, I pray that you will continue to, uh, to build us up, Lord. And God, I pray that if there's anything between us and you right now, God, any sins that we're struggling with, anything that's hindering us from our full walk and our full potential with you, God, I pray that it does not leave these doors. God, I pray that we just leave it here. God, we love you. Pray that you'll be with us this week. And all these things I ask in your son Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.